0: have overhead projection, but that ain't going to keep us from praising the Lord, amen? When we all get to heaven, hymn number 772, <clears throat> Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, we shall be caught up to ever be with the Lord, 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. We sing the first and fourth verse. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing His mercy and His grace in the mansion's
1: bright
0: and blessed. He'll. Some of us may not be on shouting ground down here as a Baptist, but I tell you, when we get to heaven, you're going to have something to shout about then. I believe I will. Amen. Praise the Lord. Fourth verse. Onward to the prize before us, soon is beauty. 170 hymn number 170 give thanks as we sing the whole song hymn number 170 first Thessalonians also 518 tells us in everything give thanks that don't mean part of it in everything give thanks for this is the will of God if you don't do the will of God give thanks in everything amen In Christ Jesus, concerning you, First Thessalonians 5:18, give thanks. We all need to be reminded of that. Amen. Give thanks. Give thanks thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks thanks because He's given. Hymn number 786. Hymn number 786. Count your blessings. We sing the first and last verse of this song. Ephesians 1 3 tells us God hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places only and in through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1 3. When upon life's billows you are tempted tossed when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one, See what God hath done Count your blessings Name them one by one Count your many blessings See what God hath done Fourth verse So amid the conflict Whether great or small Do not be discouraged God is over your many blessings angels will attend. Help and comfort give you to your journey's end. Count your blessings, name them one by one.
2: Count
0: your blessings, see what God hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one many blessings, see what God hath done. Amen. Now, you're going to have to earn a right to sit down. I'm just picking Now Turn around, wave, smile, welcome everyone around you, and uh, tell them it's a blessing to see them this morning, even if they do look like it do. Amen. Oh, me. Praise the Lord. Good to have all of you this morning. All right. Now, You've earned the right to sit down, so we thank you for that. And now we have some, uh, huh? There you are. Special music by Miss Campbell.
1: myself once more, my faults and frailties, bring me here just like
0: hands. Amen. What a message in that. Bow with me as we go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to continue blessing in this morning's service. Let us pray. Our Father, our God in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this wonderful day you've given us. Thank you, Lord, for the sunshine. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings to be in your house here today. Thank you, Lord, for the Sunday school and the teaching and Uh, Thank you, Lord, for the piano player, and uh, Lord, the singing, special singing, and the sound people. Thank you for everybody that's in our midst here this morning that's being a part of bringing worship for your honor and your glory here today. Please help us to worship you in spirit and in truth, help us to be changed by the hearing of your word, by the preaching of your word, and Lord, may we be encouraged. May we be convicted, Lord, may we be changed, Lord, this morning from hearing your word. Give us, Lord, an attitude, a heart, humble heart, Lord, that that we might be willing, Lord, to obey you and your word, always, and here this morning especially. Lord, bless our pastor, give him strength, help him to preach, Lord, your word, your message to your people this morning have your will on your way in the remainder of this service and this worship, and we'll give you all the praise and honor and glory for everything said and done here today. In Jesus' name, the Lord Jesus Christ's name, we pray and ask all things. Amen. Oh, Okay. We have a brand new song. You should have a handout and uh, look something like that. Okay. Don't be afraid to use it. I got to use it. My poor brain up here don't remember all this stuff. But anyway, uh, his mercy is more. Great message in this song. Uh, he's the potter and, and we're the clay, but it's his mercy and we need it. I see it every day because I don't deserve it, mind you, but I see his mercy every hour, every minute, every heartbeat. Psalm 136.1 tells us, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. His mercy is more. (laughs) Praise the Lord. mercy is more, what love so Mercy, you may be seated. We now have a a visiting preacher with us today, and I'm picking. (laughs) He's been off a week, and I'm glad he got him a little break. Praise the Lord for that.
3: Pastor Joe, God bless you. Appreciate you guys. So wonderful to worship the Lord and to sing of of His goodness and His kindness, and and, uh, to hear everyone sing. uh, His mercy is more. Praise God for that. Um, Well, this time I ain't going to take no more of our brother's time. Uh, Brother Andrew Garcia, y'all make him welcome, give him a round of applause, he's going to present and preach for us.
2: Well, we're, I'm glad to be here, I was about to say we're, that's what I'm used to saying, but my wife was not able to come, our daughter Sophia, she's not feeling the best today, but she is getting better, she's about 17 months old, she's great, my wife is great too, So I'll be seeing them sometime tonight, around midnight, I guess, when I get back home down to Georgia. But anyway, um, so we are missionaries to the country of Honduras. If you're not exactly sure where Honduras is on the map, we've got Mexico below us, then Guatemala, and then Honduras. Just about a four-hour flight from Atlanta, and that's a flight we're going to be making January 24th. So looking forward to that, going back to Honduras. We're going to be doing language school and all that before we... Get into the ministry there. But I got to live in Honduras there for two years, and uh, while I was there, people would, people would often make the statement when they heard that my last name was Garcia, they look at me and say, you know, you don't really look like a Garcia, and I know that. Um, but uh, my mom married John Garcia, who has heritage from Mexico, and after a while, my mom, who was not a Christian at that time in her life, she made some bad decisions got involved with somebody else outside of her marriage, and I came into the picture. And when my biological father found out, um, he told my mom she didn't needed to just go ahead and get an abortion. Uh, but my mom refused. Thank God for that. And uh, he didn't like that answer, though, so he uh, tried to take matters into his own hands. We'll put it that way. And so my biological father did that. And God showed his protection that day, though, in the form of my grandma. You see, she came in the room with a baseball bat. Ran him off, Uh, but God saved my life that day, right? And my mom, she went back to her husband, John Garcia, always, always treated me just like his son, right? Never showed any difference to any of his other children, so that's a wonderful blessing that I'm able to call myself a Garcia, but even a greater blessing to be able to call myself a son of God, because when I was seven years old, I received Jesus Christ as my Savior at Calvary Baptist Church in Smithfield, Virginia. I understood that someday I'm going to be standing before God. Right? And I'm not going to be able to point to myself, to boast to myself and say, look, God, I have done all of these things for you. I've done all of these good things. And certainly as a seven-year-old, I hadn't done any horrible things, right? Uh, but no, nothing like that. I can't po- boast in myself. I can't point to my own good deeds or lack of wrongdoing, right? It's all about Jesus Christ because we we're all born sinners. We have that sinful nature. And we can't save ourselves. There's no, no amount of good that we can do to satisfy God's judgment, the wrong that we have done against God, right, and breaking His law. That is only paid by Jesus Christ. And Jesus paid it all, right. And the reason I got to receive Jesus as my Savior there at Calvary Baptist Church in Smithfield, Virginia was because I got to hear the gospel. And I heard the gospel because it was preached. And it was preached because someone was sent there to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. But um, in Honduras, like many countries in the world, many of them don't know the gospel of Jesus Christ. They don't know what Jesus has done for them. Now, if you've been to Honduras before, I was talking to some people, uh, I guess, been some mission trips down there with the Good Samaritan, right? Uh, So that's a wonderful thing, a good opportunity. But So if you've been there before, you know people there, they know about Jesus. They've heard about Him, right? They know a version of the gospel. In fact, I would say to you, honestly, if I was to go there and ask just about any Honduran, do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to save you from your sins, He shed His blood for you and rose again after three days paying for your sins? They'd say, yeah. But you also have to do this, and this, and this, and all these things. You have to come to church and pray and and go to Mass and all these things, right? Well, that's not the gospel anymore. It may be very, very similar, but if you add works to it, it's no longer the gospel. I love fresh fruit, and Honduras has a lot of it. I bought a mango once, it was so ripe, it was just like dripping out all over my hand. I took that home, it was going to be so good. And I cut it open with a knife, and I learned, found out, something else was already enjoying, that mango. A bunch of little maggots, right? It's no longer good. Because something bad has been added to it. And our works, my good works, as we like to call them, they're not good. And they don't add to the gospel. It just makes it another gospel, which is not a gospel at all if we are trusting in our good works. We can't trust in those. The gospel is absolutely perfect as it is, nothing needs to be added to it. So I came to that understanding. When I was a young person, I had a desire to go out and, and tell people what Jesus had done for me and what he could do for them, and I understood. Uh, my church was very much uh, for missions when I was going to then, and uh, what I'm going to now, actually. But, so I had that desire to go and tell people the gospel. And I also, as a seven-year-old, you know I had seven-year-olds They have a lot of crazy dreams. And basically, be, I'm going to be an astronaut someday, a Navy SEAL, a fireman, all these things, Right? I'm going to do everything. But then I got practical a little bit and started narrowing it down. I guess I'll just do two full-time jobs. I'll be a professional soccer player and a missionary, I guess, uh, traveling the world making goals and saving souls, something like that. But you know what I realized in time? I don't like running that much, uh, and I'm not that great at soccer, and uh, it doesn't have an eternal value, really. And That's not to put down any other career, um, as long as we're using what God has given us to further the gospel, that is a wonderful thing. And that's something we're going to be looking at later in our message, Galatians chapter 2, um, preaching the gospel. Right? Wherever you are in life, whatever God has given you, that's very important. Um, I'm about to start getting into preaching mode, but not yet. I'm going to talk a little bit more about Honduras. right? So uh, Honduras, about 10 million people there. It's about the size of the state of Tennessee. Or Michigan, right, something about like that size and about 10 million people. And in the capital, we're going to the capital of Honduras. The capital is Tegucigalpa. Or for short, the locals like to just say Teguc, which kind of sounds like the goose. So if you see geese flying overhead, you could probably pray for us, remember us in prayer. Or you get a prayer card, uh, pray for us, right? Um, We appreciate your prayers for sure. Actually, before I start talking about Honduras some more, let me talk a little bit about how I met my wife. She wasn't here today, so I just want to brag about how God has uh, provided for me. So I went all the way through Pensacola Christian College, four years of college, didn't meet anyone there for me, and then two years in Honduras working in a Christian school, still no one there, and then I came back to the States in 2018 and met my wife. She was a single missionary on deputation going to the country of Honduras, and she stopped by Vision Baptist Church just a few months after I got back to the state. So the timing could not have been any more perfect, right? So she stopped by. I knew who she was, actually. I didn't tell her this until after uh, we got engaged, or maybe not even until after we got married. But it was all a bit of a setup going on behind her back, which I wasn't, you know, sold out. I've never met this girl, but she's got to be the one because she's a missionary to Honduras because, honestly, I've met other single ladies to Honduras, and... Well, I'm not married to them. Uh, that's all I'll say. But anyway, my wife... Um, so we got to get to know each other. I figured, you know, I definitely got to try to get her number. I'd be foolish if I didn't try to get to know her a little bit. and We'll see how it goes, right? So I tried to get her number. Uh, she gave me her prayer card, which if you look on our prayer card and most missionaries' prayer cards, you'll see a phone number. We put that on there so you can contact us, right? But smart single lady missionaries... They don't put their phone number on their prayer card, right? They're not going to hand it out to every guy who asks for it. But we got in touch eventually anyways, and after I asked her out, the fourth time I asked her, she finally said, maybe. So that was progress. So, you know, I figured, all right, I'll take a maybe. Do you want to go here or here? Gave her a choice. And so she decided, and it was good. We got married nine months after we met, and it's been a good two and a half years now. And we got a baby girl, Sophia. She's precious. She's about 17 months old. I'm going to brag about her some. Uh, Let's see. She walks around a lot. She jumps around a lot. I was doing some exercise the other day, just like push-ups and sit-ups and things. She was trying her best to copy me. Doing some jump squats, and she just go like this. And uh, I was doing some sit-ups, and then in between I was taking a break. I was near the end, and I was kind of out of breath. So she got down on the floor with me, and she copied me. She was pretending like she was out of breath. (laughs) This is really funny. So she's precious. I wish you could meet her and my wife. They're, They're a blessing. God has blessed me tremendously. So I think that's just a testimony to how God provides. I cannot say I waited all those years patiently for a wife, but in spite of that, God still provided perfectly for me in my time of need, right? And he is like that with anything you may be waiting on in life. God provides, he always does, even when we don't think he is, even when we don't think he hears, God does take care of us, he takes care of his children. And uh, that's just a wonderful testimony, the fact that God can provide for us, and I think that just another stamp of, or seal or whatever you want to call it on God's calling to us going to the mission field, thats just a wonderful thing you could hear my wife's testimony, it's really great. A lot of people told her when she made the decision to be a single missionary, working with some missionaries in Honduras, they told her, just wait till you find a husband or something like that. Just settle down, just settle, whatever. But no, in fact, if she hadn't made the decision to go forward with God's calling in her life, she wouldn't have met me. So I like to think is a positive thing in her life. But anyway, um, yeah, just, just the same. She couldn't be here today. But do pray for our daughter, Sophia. She's not feeling quite so well today. Not up to travel anyway. You wouldn't know it if you saw her, really. She's still smiling probably and running around. But then she gets tired. But anyway, she's been sleeping a lot. I miss my family. What can I say? It's only been 12 hours. But anyway, so Honduras, right? They need the gospel of Jesus Christ. They need to hear what Jesus has done for them. That is why we're going there. So in the capital city, as we were talking about, 1,400,000 people, there's about 20 or so Baptist churches. Most of those are on the east side, more towards the northeast, but on the western side of the city, it's divided by a river, so on that side of the river, there's about 700,000 people and only one Baptist church preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is a bit of the poorer side of the city, so not a lot of work being done there yet. Uh, But that is our goal, to go there and plant churches, multiple churches, so they can preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. As I told my testimony, right, and I'm sure many of you have something like it in common, you heard the gospel sitting in a Baptist church, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or maybe someone was sent out of a church, uh, came to your doorstep maybe, and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think it is through the local church, right, that the gospel is preached and sent out. That's the whole purpose of the church. Send out the gospel of Jesus Christ to equip the saints to do that work. So that is our goal, to go to the country of Honduras and plant multiple churches. Our goal is to plant one church every five years or so. That's just a guideline, a general thing. If we're there for 40 years, that's about eight churches. Maybe we'll get to 10, which is good. But guess what happens during those four decades? The population continues to grow. You can't really keep up with that. So... We need to be discipling people as well, right? Leading people to Jesus Christ, first of all, and getting them to the point where they can go out and and share their faith as well. And as God calls, as God leads for those men of God to be called up into positions of leadership, of pastoring, um, to fill those pulpits, right? And to also do the work of going out and planting churches of their own. There's plenty of areas around Honduras, lots of mountain villages, right? Very cut off from the rest of... Their country um, might be just a 10-mile road, but it's very you know, dirt, mud, got a lot of potholes in it. It could take you a while to get up there. So they need the churches as well. They need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to see that multiply, the gospel spread from the capital, that's our goal, to other parts of Honduras and ultimately to the uttermost parts of the world. Right? That is the goal. I think every church and every nation should have a part in sending out missionaries and reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you've been in Honduras, if you know much about Honduras, if you've heard about it in the news the last couple of years, a lot of people are leaving the country, right? Caravans of people immigrant, immigrating to the United States, trying to look for a better place, a better country. But um, we could argue politics and all that, but really, as far as the Bible is concerned, there is only one better country, and that is that permanent country. God is preparing for us in heaven, right, for his saints. That is our true home. Not Honduras, not the United States, not any country, not your hometown. It is heaven with Jesus Christ. That is where we are meant to be for the majority of our existence. This life here is so very short, right? So very short. That is what they need. To know is they need to know Jesus Christ. So our goal is to get them to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, to receive it, right? For God to call up those disciples and pastors and, and missionaries being sent out of Honduras. There are countries in the world that are becoming more difficult for American missionaries to get access to. Uh, China, of course. Uh, Venezuela is a very great example, I would think. Maybe very difficult for an American missionary to get in there. But Honduran could stand a better chance. We'll see what God can do, is all I'm saying. I just know God is going to do great things. I have a friend in Honduras right now. Actually, actually he's not in Honduras anymore. Alexander Reyes is a missionary from Honduras, and he's now in the country of Haiti uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want to see many more families like the Reyes family being called out of Honduras with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So a little bit more about the country of Honduras, just what it's like to live there, um, the average person makes about $5 a day. As a teacher there, I made about $8 a day, which is livable. They gave us a place to stay and uh, provided lunches throughout the week, and I paid one of the seminary girls about $40 a month for suppers. Uh, so it's very livable there. Right? But especially during COVID, it was a very difficult time. Uh, they live. A lot of them don't have a consistent job. Or career, they're very much day laborers. You know, in the Bible there was a lot of that. Still, there is some today in Honduras. People don't have a consistent job. They just go out to a certain place, uh, middle of a town, a busy street or something, and just stand around there waiting for someone to come and give them a job for the day. Whether that's construction, plumbing, or auto mechanic job or whatever, they'll say, "Yeah, I know how to do plumbing. I know all about it." They may not really know what they're doing, but they can look like they're knowing know what they're doing because they just want to get something uh, to provide for their family for that day. So if they don't work that day, they don't get paid that day, they don't get to eat that day, and so COVID being shut down their whole country uh, was a very difficult time for them for sure. Uh, They were allowed out of their homes during 2020, they were allowed out of their homes for just one day a week for a few hours uh, on rotation based on their ID number, that kind of thing. It's a very, very difficult time. A lot of churches and missionaries were able to uh, help people out. Of course, there's a bit of always loopholes, right? So if you're delivering food to people in need, you can go do that, right? Anytime you need to. So churches were able to do that and kind of just have worship services, little worship services at different people's homes, providing food for them as well. So there's just wonderful things going on in the country of Honduras. And like I said, we're looking forward to getting there in January, January 24th. We'll be doing language school. I got to live there for two years already, so I just probably need about four months uh, at least, maybe a little bit more. And My wife is probably at an begin, upper, beginner, intermediate level of Spanish, so she'll be learning uh, about maybe eight months of Spanish. And then from there, we'll go on to the capital city to begin planting churches and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. So uh, tomorrow, I think we're going to go through all of our belongings and try to sort them out to see how we're going to ship all this stuff down there. It's not too much, but uh, things are happening quickly. So we're about 75% of our support, so about five or six months left. God is going to provide for sure. Let us open our Bibles to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. I want to talk a little bit today about our identity in Christ who we are when people look at you or or me right what do you think comes to their mind well for me a a missionary right Andrew Garcia you don't know me that well Um, if you got to know me a little better there might be other things that come to mind maybe memory maybe some stories or memories we share together things that have happened right but for a Christian I think more than anything the most important thing about me is this I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That last part especially. The Son of God loved me and gave himself for me. That is the most important thing about me. That's the thing I want everyone to know about me. Because it's really nothing that I've done or accomplished in my life. It's something that Jesus has done for me. And that is a truly wonderful thing, especially when we slow down a little bit and take the time to think about what that really means. Because that's something we've heard perhaps all our life. Jesus loves me. This I know. The Bible tells me so. Right, I know. Uh, God so loved the world. Okay, let's learn something new. Well, there's nothing more profound in the Bible than this truth. Jesus loves me. That's what the Bible tells us. That is a truly amazing thing. When you stop to consider for a moment who He is exactly. The Son of God. No one more important than that. No one wealthier. No one more holy. No one more righteous. No one more full of love. Right? He is extremely good. The best of everything. And that person died for me. Who am I? Who are you? Not worth that. Not worth that sacrifice. He did it anyway because he loves us so much. The Son of God loved us and gave himself for us. So we are crucified with Christ. I'm dead with Christ, but I'm dead, but I'm alive because Christ is alive in me. It's, it's a metaphor, but, but I, my old nature is dead. My old nature of sin is. That is dead because I have been crucified with Christ. I've been given a new nature. Uh, briefly, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church of Galatia. When you hear his name, Apostle Paul, right? what kind of thoughts come to mind? Probably a great missionary, a great man of God. Uh, he wrote this letter and many other letters of the Bible. In fact, he wrote a lot of the New Testament. Right, An extremely good man of God. And you read the book of Acts. This is the story of his life. He was sold out for Jesus Christ. But if you instead hear Saul, right? That was his name before he was saved. Persecutor of the church, right? Pharisee of the Pharisees, in his own words, the chief of sinners. He absolutely hated the gospel of Jesus Christ. If he was to be in the news, in the papers nowadays, he would be called a terrorist. That's who he was. He was a religious zealot who hated Christianity and everything, everyone um, that had to do with Jesus Christ. I imagine that he woke up many mornings, this is just my imagination, that he woke up many mornings asking himself, okay, who is preaching Christ today? I need to put a stop to it. That home down the street, they're Christians, let's arrest them. Right? That city over there is growing in Christianity, let's put a stop to it. And so one day he went to do that, he went to Damascus right, to get permission to persecute more Christians from the legal authorities there, and he had an encounter with Jesus Christ. Absolutely changed his life. Once he hated the Gospel, now he loved it. Now, that's what he woke up every morning, right? Asking himself, let's look at the map. Let me see. Right, I need to go there and there and there and there. They haven't heard about Jesus yet. I need to go there. Oh, the Holy Spirit says, no, I can't go there. Okay, but I still want to. All right, I'll go over here. Right? He was just That was his life. Because Jesus had done something wonderful for him. And he wanted people to know about that. What Jesus had done for him and what he could do for them. That was his passion in life. That was his new identity. Right? And I think, I think the reason why he was so passionate because he remembered what Jesus had done for him. Who he used to be. right? The Son of God loved him. He remembered who he was. Apart from Jesus Christ. And he realized how much Jesus loved him. So he wanted people to know. He had that motivation. And I think that motivation is very, very important for us. And I think it's something we sometimes fail to think about every day. At least I know the temptation I mentioned earlier is for us to do our devotions, do our Bible study, and kind of always try to look for something new. Right? And we should be learning. We should be continuing to learn more things about the Bible. But we should also remember, I think every day, take some time to remember that simple truth of the Bible. Son of God loved me, gave himself for me. How does this passage that I'm reading today show me that? How can I be thinking about this through the rest of today? Who can I share that with? I think keeping that in our mind should help us to be very motivated to share that gospel with those around us. We remember how wonderful Jesus is and what He has done for us. So briefly, we should be thinking about who we used to be, right? Who Jesus, uh, how Jesus saved us. You see, I want it to be like a window, right? That people look right through and they just see Jesus Christ in me. But this window, right, of my life, is it's got some smudges on it. It's got some... Cracks, maybe someone drove by with a lawnmower and got sprayed with grass stains all up and down it. I don't know, maybe my kid threw some spaghetti on it or something. She gets really messy when she eats spaghetti. Just imagine a child smearing their face all over the window. It is not a pretty picture, not a very clear image of Jesus Christ, right? But in time, Jesus, through my life, cleans that up so that I more and more clearly show him to the world but it will never be a perfect image because of a thing called sin. What do sinners do? What are sinners known for? Sin. And that it was my old identity, right? Sin. Sinner. But not anymore. Not in the eyes of God. In the eyes of God, you are a perfect image of Jesus Christ. A perfect representation of Him because He's not looking at you. He's not impressed with you. Right? If we go to Honduras and save a million souls and see uh, 10,000 churches planted or whatever, God won't be impressed with us. He's impressed with His Son, Jesus Christ. Only Jesus gets all the credit for everything that we accomplish in life that is good. That's who gets the credit. So, because Jesus has saved me, right? if, if you perceive Jesus as your Savior, You are crucified with Christ. You have a new identity, a new nature. And so, in Galatians 5, we won't take the time to read it, but it talks about the works of the flesh, right? Uh, Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, uh, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, all of those things. That is what you used to do. It's what we were known for, especially in the eyes of God, eyes that cannot be blinded, right, by things. We may be able to deceive our friends, our family members, but God is not deceived. He sees into our hearts. And yet, in spite of that knowledge that he has, he chose to die for us anyways. Fully understanding just how depraved we are, he died for us anyway. And he gives us a new nature. And so again, in the eyes of God, you are a perfect representation of Jesus Christ because he's not looking at you He sees right through you and He's looking at His Son, Jesus Christ. And He is impressed with Jesus. You are covered with the blood of Jesus Christ. This is a wonderful thing. I have to use the word ridiculous amount of grace that God gives us. It's nothing I've done. It's nothing I've earned. Nothing I've accomplished. And yet He sees me in this way. That is my nature. That is my identity. So we should ask ourselves the question, well, let's read Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit first. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. That last verse there, verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also Walk in the Spirit. Are you alive in the Spirit? If you've received Jesus as your Savior, you're crucified with Christ, then yes, you are alive in the Spirit. So would it not also make sense, perfect sense, to walk in the Spirit? If you're alive in the Spirit, you should also walk in the Spirit. Act like you are. So I should not be doing the works of the flesh, these sinful things, because that's not who I am anymore. I should be doing the fruit of the Spirit, because that is who I am, rather more specifically, that is who Christ is, and I should be doing the things that Christ is known for, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, because we're moving now from how God sees us, which is a truly miraculous and wonderful thing, that He loves us with that much grace, to now how the world views us, lost people, just general people, because it does matter how they see you. Because they're looking at you and they want to see Christ in you. Because if you're a Christian, like it or not, that is that's what they're looking for. Does, does this really mean something to them? Or is it all just a, a joke, a game? Right? Because if we come to church and, and we pray and we read our Bible, and we do all of those things, but we do it with a grudging attitude, lost people will look at us and kind of say, well, why would I want what you have? Why would I want that? Well, let's go through some, some different uh, spectrum of things. Let's say you say you're a Christian, but at work you act just like all the lost people. You hardly ever come to church, right? Well, they're going to look at you and say, why would I want what you have when you don't even seem to want it? And again, if you just come to, church, come to church grudgingly, right, I come to church because I, I have to, or, or I've always done this, I don't know any other thing, it's what my parents would do, um, they'd be disappointed if I didn't come, if I wasn't a Christian, but I'm, I'm just kind of pretending, and you, and you know yourself, right? Or should you act like this is the best thing in the world? Not acting like this is truly what I believe. This is the best thing in the world. I absolutely love coming to church, praying, reading my Bible because it helps me to be closer to Jesus Christ, to to learn more about Him. But have you ever seen a commercial for, let's say, chocolate, right? And the actor on the screen is just like, oh, this is horrible, spit it out. Don't eat this chocolate, don't buy this brand. Is that you regarding Christ? In church and things? Or, or would it rather be, oh, this is the best thing in the world. This is truly good. You should get some of this. You know, the only time you see a commercial like that saying this is bad chocolate is if it's first is this brand, right? You don't want to buy this brand of chocolate. You want to buy this one. So which one are you showing Jesus as? Is the question there. You know, I like to brag... About my daughter Sophia. I was doing it some earlier. Let's do some more. Right? Let's see. Uh, she says amen now when we're praying for supper. The problem with that, though, is whenever she hears an amen in church, right, um, she thinks it's time to look for the food. Where's the food? Where's the food? So great things like that. What else? Um, I don't know. We could go on and on. And eventually, it might get to the point if I was bragging to someone about my daughter. Especially if we were, like, if I was, like, competing, which I never really thought I'd do with my child, but it just kind of happens, you know? Oh, your child did that at that age. Well, my child did this at this age. Beat you, yeah? So it just comes out. <laughs> but anyway, so eventually people might get a little bored, right? I don't care that you don't care. I'm still going to do it, right? I'm still going to tell you what my daughter accomplishes in life. Even though, as a one-year-old, you can imagine... She has not accomplished anything great yet. Uh, she hasn't started a company. She, nothing impressive. But as her dad, I'm all impressed with everything she does, right? It doesn't matter because of who she is. And, but just those little things that she does, nothing that I couldn't do for myself, nothing, nothing astounding. I don't think she's a genius or anything, but again, she's my daughter. I love it. But nothing great has been done yet. And maybe never will be, but that doesn't make a difference. She'll still be my daughter and a lover, right? But God, right, has done so much for me. So much. And everything He's done for me are things that I could never do for myself. So what's the difference there? Why would I why should I find it so easy, in fact, difficult to not brag about my daughter, but for some reason it's difficult for me to brag about God. To people, to lost people, to people who really don't want to hear what I have to say. It shouldn't be that way, should it? I shouldn't be able to shut up about Jesus. I should be known as that crazy guy who loves Jesus. If that's what people want to say, fine, I don't care. I don't care that you don't care. But I want you to know what Jesus has done for me and what he can do for you. And it's truly an amazing thing. He's worth bragging about. That's all I'm saying. Simply put, he is worthy. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. A professional football player is known for playing football, right? Nowadays with social media, we know a lot more about his private life. That kind of thing happens. But in general, we know him for one thing. He, he plays football, right? Right? He probably does other things. He cooks, and maybe he cooks a good steak. Maybe he's got some family members. He's a different. he's He's. There's multiple things to his life, right? But he's known for being a football player. Now, you are a Christian. If you've received Christ as your Savior, you are a Christian. What should we be known for? What are we known for? I think sadly, in much of the world, we're known for being hypocrites, judgmental. Which there is a place to judge right and wrong. But I think more than anything, we should be known as Christians for Christ. Keep it simple, right? That's what we should be known for. The Son of God loved me in spite of me and gave himself for me. That's what you need to know. That's our identity. So back to bragging about Jesus, that's how I like to put it. It's sharing your faith with the lost especially. Telling them what Jesus has done in your life. I like to put it that way because I think it makes it a lot, I don't know, just simpler to understand for us. You don't have to have a great knowledge of the Bible. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to know all the answers to all the questions. I don't know. I still have a lot to learn. All you have to know is what Jesus has done for you. You know this man of God here, the Apostle Paul, if you read the book of Romans especially, there's some, some complex thoughts in there. Right? You fill up a whole page and it's one sentence. Like, where's the subject? I don't know. This is confusing. Take takes some time to study out, right? To see what he's saying. But it's, it's all good stuff. But that incredibly intelligent man of God, when he is sharing the gospel with a lost person, read the book of Acts every single time. It is the exact same thing. No deep complex theological thoughts. It's always just telling his story. This is who I used to be. This is how Jesus saved me. This is who I am now. And this is how you can have the same thing. That's all you have to be able to do. That's all you have to know. And so like it or not, with that mindset, that makes you the most qualified person in the entire world to share your story about what the Son of God has done for you. And I think that's even more effective than knowing some kind of five-point um, plan of salvation or whatever. Just tell them your story. Tell them what Jesus has done for you and what He can do for them. Brag about Jesus Christ. He is worthy. This is your identity. right? Just like a professional football player plays football, a Christian is known for Christ, is known for bragging about Jesus. Not pointing them to themselves and saying, I go to church, I pray, I read my Bible, I vote right, I do all these things right. No, it's we do those things, but it's also we can point people to Jesus Christ. Okay? Um, I like to use highlighters some, right? Not too much. I like to highlight the things that are important. Right? Things that stand out to me. Things I want to remember. Things I want to see when I turn to that page. Our life is like that highlighter. And our life should be Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But for many churchgoers, it's me, me, me. Look at me. That's not how it should be. So, simple thought today, nothing complex. If you forget everything else, even my name, I don't care. Just remember, Jesus, the Son of God, loved you and gave himself for you. Who are you going to tell that to this week? Who are you going to brag about? You're going to brag about Jesus, but to whom are you going to brag about Jesus? Uh, so let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this wonderful opportunity to share the gospel uh, here at church. Just pray that we would give us many opportunities this week to go out And brag about you, about how wonderful you have been to us. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: I love hearing the gospel preached. There's nothing more beautiful than the news of the gospel. That's what we've heard today. It's simple. The most profound, important thing in our life, if you're lost today and you don't know Christ, you've heard it plain and clear. Trust Jesus. And, And today, if you are saved, you say, well, that's so simple. I've heard that before. Good. You need to hear it again. It should fill our hearts with such joy to hear the gospel proclaimed that Jesus loved me and gave himself for me. This is who I was. This is who I am now, not because of what I've done, but all because of Jesus. Today, let's all stand and Today, if you just have a need, or maybe you just want to come and you want to thank the Lord, come, praise the Lord, pray, ask the Lord for for a renewal and refreshment. that We might see the gospel again with fresh eyes, that we might see the need of those who need Christ, that we might see with eyes as Christ does, that we might listen as he listens, that we might feel as he does. Today, this piano plays, and even before it does, if you need to come, would you come? Maybe the Lord just might give us a burden. A burden to tell others the gospel of Christ. Others need to hear it. Lost souls are at stake. Our life in our church is at stake. Our community is at stake. What will we do with the gospel today? Would you come?